Hi, it's Nathan, producer and co-host of Kobo in Conversation. While we take some time off for the holidays, I'm back in your feed right now with another round of the best books we read in 2023. So, welcome to the Side B episode of our annual Staff Picks tradition. Who are you, and what do you do at Kobo? Um, my name is Francis, and I am an SEO specialist at Kobo. Basically, I work to optimize our website and create new pages to help readers find what they're looking for. And you help me a lot, too, um, <laughs> because, uh, because more readers uh, make it easier to find other readers. So I thank you for that. Of course, no problem. It's been fun. Tell me, what is the best book you read this year, Francis? Well, the best, I guess I would have to say series, is mm-hmm. the whole Akbatar series. I'm only four books in. There's there's five so far. But it's really been, like, it's really broken my reading slump. Amazing. When you say the Akotar series, what do you mean? Oh, the Accord of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass. And it is a monstrous, towering series. Yeah. How far in are you? Um, I'm four books in out of five. Okay. So almost there. Almost there. And you're saying this broke you out of a reading slump. Tell me about that. Um, yeah. I've seen so many articles saying that it, like the Akatar series is what got them out of their reading slump. And I didn't believe it at first. But growing up, I was very much in the Twilight, Harry Potter, Divergent, Hunger Games era of reading mm-hmm. um, when I was like 12 to 14. It's time to do it. Yeah, that's where I lived. That's where, you know, I lived in all those different worlds. And then high school comes, university comes, you enter your 20s, you don't have as much time to read anymore. And then a lot of people were saying that Akatar is like, it's that that whole feeling, the magic, the world building, the romance, the tension, the adventure that we loved from that younger age. Yeah. It's all that in huge books that are more modern and that like appeal to us today. So I gave it a try and it's it's everything and more. Now, my understanding as someone who has not read uh, any Sarah J. Moss is that this current wave that we're in right now of fantasy romance, um, that she's kind of like maybe the godmother of it to some extent. Um, is that is that fair? Is that is that what uh, A Court of Thorn and Roses is all about? Um, I don't know to say she's a godmother of it. I know she's written several other series that fall into the same genre. Is that Has that been your normal go-to uh, aside from the dystopias of divergent and hunger games is is that a place where you've you've um you've liked to to read in the past yes um it was more fantasy in my younger when i was a kid and teenager and then as you grow up you kind of dabble into romance and with things like bridgerton coming out um that sort of stuff appeals more and this kind of is that perfect medium between magic and extreme world building and adventures and fighting and then still that romance of like will they won't they mm. almost like getting together against all odds everything like in your path to stop you but still making it work is it about one pair of lovers is there one like couple that that's uh, ratcheting up that tension the whole way through um yes there's a main pairing mm-hmm. throughout the book tell me about them 
Okay. <laughs> How do I say this without spoiling it? Well, in the first book, you think it's one pairing, and she goes through this whole adventure, through the whole book, trials and tribulations, to, to be with this one guy. And in the second book, everything changes. All Everything you thought was happening is completely flipped, and you're learning so much about, like, how do I even say this, Nathan? Oh, my gosh. Um, big twist. Big twist. And... It like requires a reread of the first one because there are so many little things that you don't notice in the first book oh. that come to light in the second book. Have you gone back and reread or are you still just barreling through to the end? Yes, I'm trying to get through through the series once and then I will definitely be rereading the first book. And and so to be clear, this, these are long books. No, none of these are like, these are not uh, read it in an afternoon kind of books. No, not at all. When I look on, because I have the ebook bundle, mm -hmm. when I look at it on my Kobo, it says I have 70 hours to read. <laughs> yeah, I think I have about 17 left. Okay. So I've made it quite a ways through. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a mountain you had to climb at first, but it's definitely worth it. And so the, uh, I'm doing the quick math here, the 53, 50 some odd hours um, that, that, uh, that you've spent this year reading. I started this series in mid-october oh my god oh that's the headline that's an endorsement and a half so that 50 something hours that's not <laughs> one hour a week or whatever no it's more like more like 10 per week is, is what we're talking about yes yeah yeah because my commute to the office is generally an hour one way mm -hmm. so if you think about it i'm coming to the office maybe twice a week that's at least four hours reading on the train, on the bus, and then I come home and I'm in bed reading again. And then I realize it's 4 a.m. Oh my God. So yeah, it's been it's been a journey, but it's been great. Pro tip to reading these books, mm -hmm. get a pair of headphones and then go on Spotify and find a playlist that is like, I have this playlist, it's called um, For Reading Akatar. Okay. And it's instrumentals and it like really helps you get into this world and it's the best thing ever. And I don't feel like I'm on the bus anymore. I feel like I'm, I'm in these mountains, I'm flying through the air, I'm fighting. It's wonderful. Well, that's, that sounds, that sounds amazing. Um, and, and I think, I think, I, uh, anybody has got to appreciate that tip for full immersion. Cause this sounds like, yeah. this sounds like escapism oh, yeah. to the nth degree. That's what I go for. <laughs> So let's make sure uh, we don't leave anybody excited and then forgetting what they're going to go look for. What was that book again? The entire series of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Maas. Thank you so much, Francis. Tell me, who are you and what do you do at Kobo? My name is Silvia Clemares. I'm based in Barcelona, Spain. And I'm, I do the uh, publisher relations for Spain, Portugal, and Latin America. Then I reach out to all these publishers in Spanish and um, Portuguese language around the world, and I make sure that their catalog is uh, included in Kobo. And that they're happy to keep sending us their books to, and that we, we are happily selling them and all of that, all that good stuff. Exactly. We are like including books, making sure that we, we showcase all these books uh, in all the different storefronts that we have all the different outlets. So with this global reach that you have through your job, and I, and I know 
we we've worked together for many years and I, and I know you, you, uh, are, are a passionate reader, uh, and lover of books. So tell me, Sylvia, what's the best thing you read this year? Okay. The best book, it's so hard to pick up one, but the best book I picked, um, I would say that I thought it was interesting for me because of several levels. I pick up a book uh, called Boulder, written by Eva Baltasar. It's very interesting because of several things. Um, you know, in Spain, we have four, uh, four official languages and many people do not know that. Mm-hmm. And one of the official languages is Catalan. And this book was originally written in Catalan, uh, has been translated to many different languages, including, uh, including English. And in fact, it, be, it was the first time in history of the Booker Award mm-hmm. that a Catalan, uh, a Catalan Britain book was in the shortlist of the, of the British uh, Booker Award. Then in that sense, already, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that is interesting is the story. It's like Eva Baltasar start, started Britain, Britain poetry. And even though this book is a novel, you can send the poetry in it all the time. But also what I thought it was very fascinating was like how it's, it's a book about um, uh, about uh, two women that... Um, uh, that that meet each other in a merchant ship. Both of them, they're like there's Boulder, who's like the the protagonist, and 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 Sansa, um, this other woman that they are in this merchant ship, and they fall in love. And and then when when the couple decide to move to the to Reykjavik, the Icelandic capital, Sansa announces to Boulder that she wants to have a child. Then Boulder who she has always been like having this merchant ship life, like going from poor to poor, meeting other women mm-hmm. and, and having this life. She decides to support her partner's wish to become a mother. And and suddenly when they with parents, it's like how everything affects this relationship, the relationship. Then it's it's very about the relationship. But what I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting is like it's a book within the queer literature, but talking about the, the motherhood. And it's yeah. very, very well written. And it has this, uh, this um, it's not an easy book because it's harsh, uh, but it has this, uh, this deepness of, um, of, uh, of the poetry, like mm-hmm. the, the, this condensation of poetry. Also, Pedro Almodovar, the Spanish filmmaker. I love Almodovar. Okay, then he's very interested. And he has been like in talks about trying to, to put, because it happened, because it's very visual as well, because it has this poetry side yeah. of like turning it into a film also. Then that's why I picked, because it has different, many different angles. Okay, well, that the, the Almodovar connection is, is great, because that tells me um, that the emotions run high that there's that there's drama exactly there's even though it's on a ship there may be potential for slamming doors and dramatic exits and entrances (laughs) (laughs) totally totally um this sounds amazing can you tell me what's your relationship with uh the catalan language did you read it in catalan or did you read a spanish translation no um you know i'm based in barcelona and my mother tongue is catalan Mm -hmm. And I read sometimes in Spanish, sometimes in Catalan, also speak French and English, and I, 
these are the languages that I speak and I you, you are a properly continental woman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> then I try to to read in original language every time or try to find the best translation of a mm. book. But yes, this one I read it in Catalan. So you you encountered the poetry uh directly. Um there was no mediation. You were you were getting the author's uh poetic intent right off the page. Uh the rest of us will We'll get it mediated yes. uh, through, I'm sure, a very capable translation. Uh, have you have you dipped into the translation? Have you had a look at the Spanish edition to see uh, what you make of um, how it carries across? Yes, the I checked the Spanish translation because the Spanish translation it's published like the Catalan. It's published by by a literally imprint, a very well known publisher, mm. and and then um, the Spanish translation is done by the literary imprint of Penguin Random House. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's very beautiful. It's very beautifully done as well. I haven't checked the English one though. Okay. Well uh I think um I think I may uh, I may check it out for you. Uh because this sounds this sounds really fantastic. And uh and I gotta read it before uh, Almodovar uh, gives it the screen treatment. Um tell us again one more time what is the name of the book and the author? The name of the book is Boulder, and the author is Eva Baltasar. So tell me, who are you and what do you do at Kobo? My name is Deandra, and I am the content sales lead for North America. So I merchandise all of the books on the website. That that I think that's underselling it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're like you're you're you are the the bookseller supreme. Yes. You know, I don't like to say it myself. Yeah. But I am the supreme bookseller. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am the ultimate bookseller. I'm the final boss uh, of selling books. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, undefeated. Undefeated. Yeah. Current current world champ of selling books. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so, this is all to like set up yeah. uh, our expectations around what was the best book you read this year? I read so many good books this year. It was actually very hard to choose just one, um, but I have to. <laughs> and so with that, I believe the best book I read this year was Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. Uh, it blew me away and I haven't been able to stop talking about it, recommending it and wanting everyone to read it. This book is showing up everywhere. This book was showing up everywhere as soon as it came out yes. as as an, oh my God, you must read it. And it has not let up. Uh, I don't think it had a chance to fade before uh, end of year lists needed compiling. Mm -hmm. And so here it is. What is it about R.F. Kuang's yellow face that, that grabbed you and wouldn't let go? I agree that it has been at the forefront since it came out. And even before it came out, especially... It's hard to say how big it is outside of the publishing industry, because definitely in the industry, it was a lot of buzz leading up to it. Everyone wanted their hands on it. So from the first moment I heard about it, I was like, I need to read this. And I couldn't wait for it to come out. But it's a real scathing indictment on the publishing industry. So it is deeply uncomfortable to read, but it's mm -hmm. also like a car crash that you can't look away from. And uh, it's so well written and smart 
And it just, it you cannot put it down. It's really, <laughs> I know we use unputdownable for a lot of books, but this is one of those where you really can't look away until you know how it ends. I, I love I love short chapters. Mm -hmm. I love I love strong voices. Mm -hmm. A book with short chapters and strong voices for me uh, that will actually make me go to bed early. Yeah. Is this that kind of book that you just like? We're always like one more chapter. Yeah, and then you finish it and you're like, well, that wasn't that long. I, I'll just do one more chapter, and then something happens. You're like, well, I have to I just I have to know what happens next. One more chapter. <laughs> so to that point, what is happening in this book? Who is it about? So the book is written from the perspective of a white author whose friend is an Asian author, uh, kind of a frenemy in, in the book. And she, the Asian author, has far more success than the white author. Uh, and then the Asian author passes away very suddenly. Um, and the white author steals her final work of art, uh, a book, and tries to pass it off as her own and as if she is the author. So it's really about cultural appropriation, racism and diversity in the publishing industry, which is a super hot topic it, uh, issue, not just in publishing, but everywhere. Um, and yeah, it kind of follows the aftermath of that decision to steal this final manuscript. You're so you're you're in the perspective of the of the of the wrongdoer yes. as a as a you're you're a passing moral judgment on her. Yes. Um is she is she one of those unlikable characters that's yes kind of delightful? <laughs> yes, certainly. Is is she <laughs> is she fun to be around? No. <laughs> No, she was not fun to be around at all because you're just like, no, you can't you can't do that. What are you doing the whole time? And because it's written so well, you can hear this person. You know this person. You've seen this person speak on the news and stuff. Yeah. Um, they exist. They're definitely real. Um, but also if if someone just wrote this without the irony involved, then you would just be disgusted by it. <laughs> Are you a fan of RF Kuang generally? Uh, she's been recommended on last year. I think we had uh, we had a couple of recommendations for uh, Babel, mm -hmm. uh, and I think the Poppy War has 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 rated somewhere in staff picks. Yes. Um, so apparently she can write anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's really great that she had that success of Babel, especially just right before this, and then Poppy War series really took off on book talk and socials. And I think she had such a great following. It really helped push it to the forefront and kind of let her publish this amazing book that like, I don't know if a less popular author would have been able to get published because mm. it's so scathing um, <laughs> publishing. You think she had the privilege of like of of making all those publishing people squirm because they were like, well, we we know it's going to sell. Yeah, you do, you do sell books, and we we're just like that. We are like that. You sure got us. Yeah, and she does make a note at the end of Yellow Face about how great her publishing house is and how how much she loves her publishers. Yeah, because I was like, wow, is is this how she's being treated? Like, I hope not, and it doesn't seem like that. So that's good. <laughs> that's amazing. Um. Because you are the bookseller supreme. Yes. <laughs> was this was this book far and away the best book you read this year? Or, you know, was it was first and second place? Was it a photo finish? I would say this is pretty far and away the best book. However, I did just read one that comes out in a couple weeks. So it will be a 2024 pick. <laughs> okay. Well, that precedent has already been set. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about your 2024 pick. 
it's cold by drew hayden taylor uh-huh. and uh it's very toronto based uh it has an incredible cover <laughs> and it was another one where i really i would put it down to go you know i don't know eat food uh and the whole time i would just be thinking i, I gotta get back to this book i need to know what happens next it's really one of the best stories i've ever read um i don't even want to talk too much about the actual story okay. because there's so many like subtle twists and turns and really takes you on a wild ride. So that's my big recommendation. Um, I did this year also love uh, Z-Way's Black Friend essays, uh, book of essays that was had me laughing out loud on the go train. Um, And uh, then Ultra Processed People was the other one that I've just been trying to get everyone to read. That's by Chris Van Tulekin. Um, And kind of out there from what the other ones that I've been yeah. recommending, but <laughs> that doesn't align with your priors. No, but it is like, it's a book that really will change the way you see food and how food relates to the world as a whole. And uh, it's completely changed my relationship with, with food for the better. So I really think it's an important book for everyone to read. Wow. Okay. Well, you've just, uh, you've just given us a a pile of books. Uh, that's my literally my job. <laughs> that is literally your job. But let, let's let's bring it back to the top. Yeah. Remind us again what um, what was the best book you read this year? Yellow Face by RF Guam. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Deandra. Thank you, Nathan. My name is Alana McClatchy, and I am a communications coordinator here at Kobo. If someone's listening to this, they may have found it through uh, through the post on our blog, which has your fingerprints all over it because you do a <laughs> lot, a lot of the work, um, some some original content, uh, a lot of just getting stuff into that CMS. So um, yes, if someone wants to know what a marketing communications coordinator does, a big part of it is is helping me out, making things <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, Alana, what is the best book you read this year? I mean, there were there were a lot of great books, but I think I'm gonna have to go with Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. Um, it was a big book this year, and I'm a huge fan. I'm pretty sure I came to this podcast last year with R.F. Kuang as well. You sure did as my topic. Um, so I'm back again. Yeah, Yellow Face did not disappoint. It was fabulous. I loved it. So I spoke with Deandra about this book too, mm-hmm. and uh, and she also had marvelous things to say about it. Um, but uh, as you say, you have been in this space before telling us about the genius of R.F. Kuang, um, but about her previous book, Babel, uh, which mm-hmm. is very, very different from from this one. Extremely. Can you give me a sense of what drew you into Yellowface? I think with R.F. Kuang, what she is so good at is it's her it's her writing for me that obviously Babel is very dark dark academia kind of um, historical fiction and this is very much not that it's very contemporary it's got um it's a bit of a mystery but that's not really the driving factor behind it and that wasn't the thing that kept me hooked it was she is just so smart and her writing is so cutting and insightful and the way that she is able to, tell these stories and weave in all of these um, themes and, and opinions and really get your mind going. I mean, it Babel was obviously amazing because it was very atmospheric 
And then coming into this, it was just like, this is genius. And I want to keep reading because like, where is she taking this? I can't believe this is, this is happening right now. Kind of. Can you give me a uh, kind of a summary of what, what happens in this book? What is Yellowface all about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yellowface, it is a contemporary fiction, as I said, and it follows, um, two authors at the beginning, one named June Hayward, who is a, a white woman and she is, um, she's a struggling author. She, um, kind of hasn't really had her big break and appear in kind of the literary sphere with her is a woman named Athena Liu, who, um, is very much like a literary darling. She has had her big break. She's very beloved. Um, and what kind of happens is from the get-go, you understand June's super jealous of, uh, of Athena and her success and Athena in a very freak, almost like comically freak accident, um, ends up dying and June steals her manuscript. And Athena is an Asian woman. And this manuscript is kind of very much telling an, an Asian story and an Asian history. And June steals it and publishes it under kind of this new pseudonym that she's come up with, um, with Juniper Song, which Song is her middle name, but obviously very racially ambiguous. And then it kind of takes you through how she publishes this and kind of the the fallout from that and what happens and how um, she starts obviously getting some attention online, good and bad. And it just takes you through that whole scenario. And then she kind of starts getting these curious messages from what appears to be Athena beyond the grave. Um, and that all kind of comes to a head. I don't want to spoil anything. You said that the way Athena? Yeah, Athena. Yeah. You mentioned that she perishes almost comically. Yes. Is this a funny book? I think... I think in a way, I think it's so absurd that you you do have to laugh and it's satirical, mm-hmm. 100% it's satirical about the publishing industry and and in, in a greater sense, just our you know societal discourse around race and racism and who gets to tell which stories and whatnot. So there are parts of it that are so witty and smart that you have to laugh. And I mean, it's no shock. She dies very early in the book and she it's a pancake eating contest that she chokes. So like- If you got to go out terrible but but like hilarious like why does she why does she die like that that's so funny yeah yeah maybe i'm just dark but i think that's funny (laughs) no i think that's pretty solid that's uh that's that's comic (laughs) there are there as we know rf kwong could have written that scene any way she chose Mm -hmm. uh so if you think it's funny probably bet it was supposed to be funny probably supposed to be yeah 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 are you a are you a poppy war uh fan have you been through that epic series so I haven't actually, and I it's, it's left. I need to I need to tackle it, and I definitely will. I started with with Babel. Um, that was my introduction to RF Kuang. Um, and it, I kind of just came upon it quite funnily because I had read. Um, oh, it's Mister Mister Norrell and Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. I read that and then that it, it I found that really fascinating. I loved the world. I, I was looking for something kind of similar. And Babel obviously last year was huge. And so I was like, I'm gonna give this a go. See, and I just I loved it. And it's one thing to kind of love a story and to love the characters and a plot and get really wrapped up in that, but it's another thing to find an author whose writing um style you just think is amazing. And you it's so much more than telling a story. It's it's commentary. It's 
just you know vibes vibes at the wazoo i just was mm. i just am obsessed so um when yellow face came out i was so excited i'll read everything she puts out at, at this point uh well that was my next question was sounds like sounds like she's an author you will follow anywhere oh 100 percent. given that you followed her from dark academia into contemporary realist satire yeah totally absolutely i'll read anything that she puts out because she's just so fabulous and um to make a genre jump like that like that's no joke if you're most people who kind of start and it's but i know the poppy war too is kind of more similar to to babble than than yellow face or anything so to kind of make a jump like that that's not easy to do especially when you've got a fan a rooted fan base in one thing so um i just think it speaks so much to her talent and this book has again like been huge this year and she's um seen a lot of success with it so yeah i ship i stand i'm here <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could wind up standing again because it seems like she's so prolific uh that Babel was was your pick last year and that was a big book and that was a like a that was a book that warranted a victory lap and she probably could have just gone and like not published totally. a book in 2023 mm -hmm. but she did and she did early and so it be, it's landing on everyone's best of the year list. Uh, that's that's why it's here twice. Yeah. Um, and it's all, certainly on our best of the year list. So yeah, what a champ. What a champ. RF Kuang. And she's so young and she's got so many more books to write. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, she's so exciting. It's, yeah. it's just so exciting to have somebody this young coming out and and they're not just great stories that people are that everyone's loving. They are that, but they're mm. there's so much more. The way how smart she is and the social commentary that she's incorporating into her books are just incredible. Yeah, we haven't seen that in like I'm trying to think of when we last did because it's what we have seen is things like Harry Potter is, you know, is the world we live in. Sure, yeah. Um, it's sort of set the idiom. Um the Hunger Games series it's it's a uh, we're following the characters uh it translates into other ip but rf kuang is is uh is an author we're excited about and if she mm -hmm. writes more series we'll be excited about those series but very specifically we'll be excited about those books because it's mm -hmm. it's really her writing that gets people talking um and it's not so much the usual thing we see with um especially writers who who work in speculative areas as mm -hmm. as she started her career usually people talk about aspects of the world building they're like oh and then this is the conceit and it's like and they give you like a sales pitch it's you know it's die hard meets um uh blade runner meets uh my little pony or like it's it's all right. that and, yeah yeah and the actual writing kind of takes a back seat to the concept that doesn't appear to be the case here yeah no, and and I mean, me as a reader for sure, I think a lot about why I like why I enjoy certain books, you know, and I am kind of come to a conclusion for myself and everyone reads differently. So but for me, there are books I read because I love the story, I love the plot, and I'm here for like a, I want to be really entertained and I just want to like fall into the story and not think. And then there are books I read because I'm really interested in the perspective or I'm really interested in what um, this story has to say. And then there's this, there's the middle of that Venn diagram where you get books that are both. Mm. And for me, those are rare, but like so many of my favorite books kind of fall into that where I'm drawn to it because it's got um, maybe just an amazing story and amazing atmosphere and all those things. But then it's also, there's a cerebral element to it that 
you don't um you don't always get which is nice sometimes because sometimes you just want to escape but when mm. you've got that a book that makes you think and makes you look at your world differently um it's such a win and she's so good at that uh so tell us then one more time as if someone hasn't absorbed it from this conversation <laughs> what was your favorite book and the author uh yellow face by rf kuang can you tell me your name and what you do here at kobo my name is michael tamlin and i am ceo at kobo tell me michael uh what was the best book that you read in 2023 this was a it, it's a tough one every year but it was especially tough this year and it really tapped into why at least why i do uh kobo and conversation i'm not sure why you do kobo and conversation but for me one of the things that it does is it puts me into uncomfortable reading territory uh yeah i am yeah a comfort reader i am an escape reader if i'm on a plane the book's job is to take me off the plane is to make time disappear so I have no problem embarking on a 15 book steampunk odyssey followed by six cookbooks about how to make the best wood fire pizza. I'm down for all of that. But what Kobo and conversation does is kind of forces the issue and puts me into a particular book. And the book that really caught me this year was, and then she fell by Alicia Elliott. And this is a book that you can uh, you can listen to our conversation on Coburn Conversation because it was a really good one. But also, it if I look at the books that forced a change in me, forced me to read differently, forced me to think differently, this I think this was the book that did that the most for me this year. That was an interesting one because I think I had a very similar reaction. I think partway through I thought, I'm not sure this is for me. That's okay. Not all books have to be for me. Uh, we're doing a show about books and I'm going to read this and I see its merits and I see how people could enjoy it. And then, and then it became about, uh, then, then, then I started to realize it was for me. Where do you recall how it clicked for you in, into being like, not just challenging, but actually something you really embraced? It was, um, it probably was about a third of the way into the book. So the, and then she fell follows uh, a young mohawk woman named alice she's just had a baby she's in the process of trying to write her first book uh she's living with her husband in a kind of upscale part of toronto and in the course of those first you know weeks and months of parenthood she feels her grasp of reality slipping and um and that comes with waves of emotion and fear and paranoia and feeling like an imposter laid on top of her regular feelings of alienation and uh, loneliness and feeling like an imposter so it caught at the slippery nature of mental illness it caught that feeling of really being in a culture other than your own of wanting to reach back to what's familiar, but also try to chart your own course, the difficulty of being a new parent. There was so much in there. And it was really when I think we got into the, like kind of the heart of her experience of, of mental illness. It was like, this book is showing me something different. I am inside an experience that I think is really hard to tap into. And 
Um, and I'm fully inhabiting it. I'm right there. I'm feeling it viscerally. And and like you said, when when you first selected this book, I kind of grit my teeth a bit um, <laughs> because we had been on a run of books that you know dealt with themes of trauma and alienation, and I felt like we'd had a lot of trauma and alienation in the in the, in the, the books that we were. And those uh, were a yeah. pivot from uh, from Sean Cosby's um, book of the 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 incredible tenacity of the most violent kind of racism, and John Valiant's book uh, about how perilous the future looks from a climate perspective so yeah we pivoted into <laughs> tragedy yeah we, and trauma it was not like the feel-good hits of uh of 2023 but but in that and and just with that idea of sometimes leaning into discomfort and and then finding something new inside that this book just delivered so well so well written so vivid in the experiences that you get to lean into as the reader and um and a really interesting set of issues that are that are being unpacked at the same time so of of books that forced a change for me as opposed to providing a cozy blanket or providing a means of escape or providing inf interesting information this was the one that really forced something for me okay well we're going to try to be cozier next year but um <laughs> no, no, no. This, the whole job of this is to put me into uncomfortable places. So, so that, that, that's fine. That's fine. But it's got. It, there's there's got to be. It's it's uh. It's there's got to be. There's got to be dancing. There's got to be a party or some or some dinosaurs or or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, look. I I know we could close it here, but but one of it. Everything you said just is is resonating because it did the same to me. It made me think about mental illness and specifically psychosis because this book is about that and that like altered perception of reality and and the validity of the perspective the ongoing nature of the perspective in the person experiencing psychosis mm -hmm. i i hadn't seen that before and it was so it was so vividly represented it uh, i think i i was changed too so i will ask you a question now yeah. as we're as we're doing kind of a you know kind of a yearly roundup what do you think about the character of the books that were in front of us this year um and so i'm speaking more broadly as opposed mm. to a single title but were there were there themes or were there kind of through lines that stood out for you as as you were putting the season together god um i love the phrase putting a season together because it sounds it sounds great um it's <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like there's a plan <laughs> it sounds way less seat of the pants and just figuring out which publicist will answer my call and where i can get things onto your schedule or mine and make it happen um and all and all of the other factors aside from the merits of the book that that contribute to who gets on the show but i don't know if i had to say something was standing out for me maybe it was and i'm trying not to be too much uh, on my own hobby horse about this but it might have been something about our relationship to institutions. And I see that in Sean Cosby and the and and Titus Crown, the sheriff, the former FBI agent, who finds himself always representing law enforcement, um, which puts him in a difficult, difficult spot with his own community. I think of Naomi Klein um and the institution of the media and and how truths are represented to us and how we can get a, a sated feeling about truth and, and then stop being hungry for actually, you know, a perspective beyond, beyond what we, what we think is, is correct mm -hmm. and, and miss things. And 
Um, and there was a lot of that and, and Alicia Elliott's book too was, was, um, we're all, I mean, what manner of institution, you know, you think about, you know, mental health care and, you know, go get help and talk to someone and like, okay, here's, here's, here's a person experiencing psychosis. Now you're inside her head. Um, what part of her day, where would you put this on her schedule? Yep. Um, how would you, how would you treat this? So, uh, I felt like, I felt like everything was coming back in some way to institutions, which, which I mean, is it? I've been worrying about institutions, you know, for, for years now. I think it's an, we're in an era of like, was the 20th century anomalous and mm -hmm. are all us rule of law types and, uh, you know, liberal democracy people. Like, are we just like an, a relic back to the dark ages we go? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but it felt, it felt like that to me. It felt like that, that kept coming up. Um, I mean, even, even, uh, Rowan Jeté Knox's book, um, uh, in, uh, dealt with, with, um, the healthcare, um, uh, system in mm -hmm. Canada and, uh, and how one goes about getting mental health care. And it was not, he didn't have a, he didn't have a straight path to like getting better. It was, as we talked about with him, it was, uh, there was, there were some, some, some dark alleys and, and, uh, false turns. I felt like this was the first year that we got the benefits of publishing's kind of minor awakening in 2020 about, mm. um, about what its role as a gatekeeper was and you saw some of those gears start to mesh in 2020 you saw publishers start to say you know wow we actually like we do publish a lot of authors who look really the same mm. over and over again and then go right we're going to try something different mm -hmm. and whether that meant editorial whether that meant the kinds of authors that people were reaching out to the kinds of agents that people were reaching out to to find those authors there was a lot of activity starting then but of course books take a long time mm -hmm. so you you find those authors you sign those books those books then get written and it seemed like almost our first crop of that started showing up in 2023 and and for everyone who thought, oh, you know, does this mean that we're sacrificing quality in order to diversity, like yada, 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 it's marvelous. Yes. Like the, you know, <laughs> the stories are so good and the authors are so amazing. And it's like they were there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, all we had to do was change the filter mm -hmm. and and we got to see all of these amazing stories show up. Mm -hmm. And and so that if I look at what, how 2023 looked different than, you know, five years ago or three years ago, I think that's, I think that's what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for you as a producer, you've, you know, you've always tried to reach for those stories. You've always tried to find them. It feels like you didn't have to work as hard no, this you, year to do that you as you might have it. five years ago. Absolutely. In 2020, uh, which is also the year the year I started in this job. Um, uh, we started in in the wake of of the the social explosion and reckoning of of that summer in 2020. Um, we started. Uh, I started measuring, trying to measure in a variety of ways, like what's representation really looking like here. Like, like are there people representing? the lgbtq uh, spectrum here and how often are they showing up and what am i doing there i was even looking at uh, a variety of obviously a variety of racial representations but then even looking at like disability age um uh size like is, is how, how what's that mix like 
And that was, that was a real thing. I had to kind of push for that. And sometimes I'd get, a, you know, the publicist would come to me with their slate of, you know, this is what I've got going on this season. And I'd be like, okay. Um, but I'm trying to be a little more robust than that. And, and within your cavalcade of dudes, what, uh, what else have we got? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure these books are great, but I, like, I'm, I'm not trying to have a drumbeat here of, of, uh, of, of stories coming from the same sort of place in society. And yeah, this year, um, I, uh, like I, you know, you talk about like reaching that I had to do. Uh, I, I, you know, I should be taking up uh, some kind of like additional mobility classes because that reaching isn't happening as part of the job anymore. Right. It's just coming to me that, you know, Wabgeisha Grice, I just wanted to talk to him about the sequel to uh, Moon of the Crusted Snow, uh, which uh, came out in 2018, 2017. It's several years old, but, you know, they published the sequel and that came out this year. And that just, we just had to talk to him. And Alicia Elliott's essays were so brilliant. I needed to know what her first novel would be like. We had to bring her in for that. And, and um, I, I talked about Kai Thomas already, but uh, yeah, it became, which, which is interesting because when that happens, when that, when, when it's so easy to represent diversity, it's easy. And the voices are coming at you from all these directions. It means that when you can get like, when you can get Tom Rackman, you know, a white guy, uh, novelist, uh, we can, it's, I don't, I don't feel like, oh God, like I'm letting this one slide and I'm going to have to go work. I'm like, no, he wrote a great book. I'm just going to talk to Tom Rackman and I'm not worried that, you know, that I've, that I've stopped making an effort in, in, in that, that, um, in that imperative to, to represent. Yeah. So it's, it's a great space to be in where it's like, it's just good books all day long. It's a great place to be. And it was a great year for it. Thanks so much for putting together a, a, a fantastic season. I'm looking forward to the next one. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, putting you through it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, David. Thank you, Michael. Kobo in Conversation will be back with author interviews very soon. And if you hit that subscribe button, you won't have to worry about missing any episodes as we get rolling. In the meantime, there's the archive, which you can find at kobo.com slash conversation or on YouTube. If you need a recommendation, I think the episode I did this past summer with Samantha Irby was the most fun I've had yet talking with an author. So check that out. It was fun. I'm producer Nathan Maharaj, and I want to thank you again for letting us spend this time with you. I hope you found something great to read. And obviously, now you have to read Yellowface.